and gentlemen, anyone who's tuning in today, I want to welcome you to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta, and as always, we are downtown in Salem, Oregon today. It's a beautiful day, and I'm happy to be in studio. I'm happy to be sitting here uh, recording another episode and about to interview just an amazing guest. But before I get into it, as always, for any new listeners to the show, uh, our Leadership Institute Groundwork, wherein uh, this podcast is housed, we believe in transformational change. We don't believe that we are that change, but we believe that we can contribute to it in our community. So our vision is to be a catalyst for transformational change. So the goal in this podcast and gathering all of this information from so many different leaders and learning from them is just to contribute to this body of knowledge, this house of knowledge that we're becoming uh, because we want to learn as much as we can, when we can, however we can, as it pertains to change, uh, specifically transformational change. So we talk about leadership talk- topics, we talk about life, we talk about work, we talk about family, relationships, society, you name it. We've really hit on an array of topics throughout the the uh, the show and over time. And, you know, we have thousands of downloads and listeners, which is still, you know, uh, amazing to me because we didn't set out to by any means to, to have thousands and thousands of, of listeners. We set this out. We set out to be a resource to our community, but it's really extended beyond that, which is exciting because the guests that we have today actually, you know, came across our, our show uh, through, I, I think, a post on social media or something. Uh, I mean, we have we really don't have very many marketing efforts at all. Uh, again, a goal that we have is not to grow, you know, an audience with this. We're just trying to be a resource to our community, but you know, by the nature of the beast, it spreads. And so Andrea today, uh, who I'm going to get on uh, the the phone, we'll get on Zoom here shortly. Uh, she, you know, she reached out to me on LinkedIn, where I made a post. Uh, I don't know how she got connected to me. We'll have to ask her, ask her that when she joins. And she, you know, we started talking and, and decided, hey, let's get on, let's get on the show and, and record an episode together. I think that would be well worth our time. Uh, I think that she could be an, an amazing benefit to to our uh, to our show and to our listeners. So uh, here we are. And her and I spoke on the phone for about an hour last week, and uh, she just really seemed like an incredible uh, person to learn from and to contribute to what we're trying to do. So, so that's Andrea, and she's got a whole great. She's got a whole background uh, 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 of her career and the things that she's done that I'll allow her to share. But that's how we met. So this is exciting to to have her on the show here, um, and uh, to hear and, and learn from her. So give me one second. I'll be right back, and we'll bring her into the conversation. All right, we're back, and I have Andrea here with me on Zoom. Andrea, thanks for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I, you know, I was just mentioning in in the intro how excited I am for this um, because you know we've had a, a bunch of different guests on the show, and you know some of them I've most of them I've known you know here in the community or I have some strong connection to, but I had mentioned that we had you know. Uh, we got connected on LinkedIn, and I couldn't remember if we identified the source of, of uh, you know, mu- if there was a mutual connection or anything of that nature, how you came across the show. I, if we did talk about it, 
I didn't remember. So I, you know, as I was saying in the intro, this is really, this is a fun episode because, uh, it's a, it's a unique way of meeting. And, uh, and I didn't go in depth on, on, on an intro to who you are. I just kind of mentioned how we met. So I would love for you to take mm-hmm. over right now and, and fill in the blanks, give us an introduction of who you are and what you do. Maybe you can start with, you know, how you came across the, the show. Um, that would be great. And maybe take it from there. Is that all right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I actually came across you because I listened to a podcast of yours. I often, I was on iTunes on the podcast and I came across one and just, I felt that the conversation really resonated with me. I just felt like there was some alignment there and I wanted to continue the conversation. So I had reached out to you, I emailed you, and then we did connect, like you said, on LinkedIn, which is where I spend most of my time on social media. And yeah, I just felt like there was a real there was some aligning values and mm. some things we were talking about that are really important moving forward. I love that. What, do you remember what episode it was? Who was it that we were? Or the I topic? can't remember off the top. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Uh, no worries. No worries. Cool. And tell, so tell us, you know, more about yourself. What do you do? Where are you from? Who are, you know, who are sure. you? Sure. So I'm, I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and I became a CPA in my twenties. I worked in the corporate world as an accounting manager for many, many years. And I found myself feeling quite disconnected from from what I was doing. Um, I kind of had followed that path. You know, when you graduate from high school, you go to university or college, you get a good job, you work your way up the corporate ladder. I did all those things. And on paper, I appeared successful. And most people, I think, would have said I was successful, but I didn't feel that way. Mm. And there was a number of events that happened 17 years ago that really changed my life, where I had to look at my life and what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I started to basically recreate myself and reinvent myself. So I began a journey of self-discovery. I just kept diving deeper and deeper and deeper into who I was, how life worked, anything I could get my hands on. And eventually I, I realized that the career that I was in was not in alignment. Well, I maybe more accepted that it wasn't in alignment with me. And I started creating a different life for myself, which is where I am now. So now I am, I call myself a career and consciousness coach because it's not just about switching a job or I'm not a, a resume writer per se. It's about tapping into who we really are at our core, because we all have these unique gifts and talents that are often laying dormant in us. Mm -hmm. And they're here to be utilized. And the last couple of years with the pandemic has really accelerated many people wanting to find out what those things are. Yeah. And so now it's been a, a lot of people really coming forward, seeing we need more conscious leadership, mm-hmm feeling the need to give back, to make changes in this world. Because we can see it's not really working that well with some of the things we're doing. Yeah. And and so I provide support and help people through that process of making that change like I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so essentially you do lots of coaching now. And I remember you, you telling me about that Um you know, when we, when we got on the phone last week, 
And that was part of why this would be a great fit. You know, you, you, you end up coaching, you work with a lot of individuals, um, uh, leaders, etc. And, and the, the, I think the interesting thing about coaching is you, you get sort of intimately involved with, with the struggles and burdens that other people have. And, uh, you don't have to, you know, they're not your burdens, but when you're coaching, mentoring, things of that nature, you, you kind of, you carry them a little bit and there's a lot of learning that happens, at least in my experience. And so I thought, you know, of course, this is going to be, you know, a uh, an awesome conversation to have specifically around the topic that we want to get to, um, you know, around finding purpose and like you said, conscious leadership. But tell us about a little bit more about um, the sort of individuals that you, you, uh, you know, offer coaching to um, like, what's the spread, you know, of terms of uh, where they're at in their, their, their leadership or their, their career journey. Um, what types of individuals, um, you know, do you end up working with? Right. It's, it's often, I would say, mid-careers, mid-career and middle to mid-senior management. So these are people who are typically quite well-educated, mm-hmm. ambitious, driven individuals who have reached a point in their career where they feel burnt out and exhausted often just from the grind yeah. um, and just feeling a greater a greater pull to something. There's something more and they're not often quite sure what it is yet. They just feel like there's something more than working often at 60 hours a week. Yeah. And also not being able to make the changes that they want to make, you know, the corporate world that we have right now, things are very slow to change. Mm -hmm. Right. It just, as much as we have some really strong leaders, they're often stuck in some of that bureaucracy and some of the politics, and yeah. people are getting frustrated from that. So I work with people who are generally, have been trying really hard to implement some changes and create change, but are finding themselves quite frustrated. Yeah. You just described, uh, I think a lot of, uh, you know, you described myself in a lot of ways, and uh, and I, I, would, I would venture a lot of... Uh, you know, leaders that, that I've, that I've met as well. Um, you know, we get exhausted from the grind. There's so much that's out of our control. And, you know, I find myself, um, allowing that to, to cause me anxiety and stress of the things that I I can't control. Um, and, uh, so everything you just mentioned resonated with me because I have those, those feelings from time to time. And I'm sure that many of our our listeners, whether they're, you know, in a senior to, you know, mid-level to senior management position or not, you know, suffer from or deal with those, those sort of uh, thoughts and emotions. So, so it sounds like your audience is, is a, there's obviously a large pocket of, of individuals um, that can relate to everything that you just mentioned, especially the, you know, what I find interesting, especially when you said, you know, on paper, you know, and if you looked on paper, they would look successful, they would look educated, they would look like they have things well put together. But, you know, beneath all of that, there, there definitely are, are struggles, um, and, and challenges. And, and obviously, as we talked last week, they're, they're centered and rooted in this, uh, this idea of purpose and, and meaning, um, that they're, they're battle, battling with or, or trying to understand, be open to, find, whatever we want to call it. And so tell, I mean, tell us, uh, walk us through a little bit of the process that you, you take them through, you know, when you first sure. start engaging with somebody and you feel free to kind of go back to how you 
it, it relates to your journey that you went through, as you mentioned, 17 years ago. Um, but tell us about that, that process you take them through, the journey that you, you walk them through. Sure. So often people, what they do is they start looking outward. That's the first step they do. Because we're kind of conditioned to do that. If I want to change my world, I've got to take action. And especially the people I'm working with. So like I said, they're very ambitious people. So mm-hmm. it's an automatic, well, what do I do? What do I do next? Do I take a course? Do I take a program? Do I learn a new skill? And that can lead to people often changing jobs. Mm. And so immediately the first thing we do when working together is we actually go inward. We do the opposite of what often feels natural for someone who's in that, say, achievement-based you know, mentality and way of being. And so it becomes an inward journey to what do you need to experience in your day-to-day work life? Yeah. And when truly what you need to experience, where are your values at? Mm-hmm. What have you done well in the past and what do you enjoy doing? And often people just go surface level on that. It can go a lot deeper than that. So an example would be sales. If you're somebody who said, well, I've loved sales in the past. Yeah. Well, what is it about sales? Is it influence? Is it um, when the contract is signed? Like, what is it about that? Because there are other other ways we can get that same feeling and broaden the scope of what you're actually doing. So a lot of that inward journey is finding out those pieces of yourself and, and pulling them out. And then also looking at where we all have our self-limiting beliefs. Because yeah. usually if we've stayed somewhere we're not happy, there is a block there, mm-hmm. right? And so when we can itemize what they are and then shift them with a new perspective that can really help unlock us and help us move forward from where we're at. Yeah, I love that. I, it, it reminded me of uh, when you were talking about cells and, you know, what is it that you love about cells? The, the, uh, the cynic inside of me just thinks, you know, the cynical side of me thinks, uh, well, the money. <laughs> right and uh but there's lots of ways to to make money and i would say a lot of people they go through that routine like you said of go to school get a degree get the paper get into work climb the ladder because money is a large part of it right and we need money to to live and to survive but um it reminded me of uh one of the longest you know longitudinal studies i think that that is existing right now out of Harvard. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the Grant Study or something, but um, they've been they've been studying uh, individuals for, oh gosh, I don't know, 70 or 80 plus years, somewhere around there, and they identified these young boys um, in the Boston area, you know, many, many years ago, uh, and they've been following them ever since, and many of them have passed away, so now they're following their, you know, their wives, their children, their grandkids. So it's really amazing. And, and what they set out to do was trying to understand what, what makes successful people, right? You know, how do, what makes someone successful? That was one of their first questions. There was that one and, and a few others, you know, and uh, what they found was just amazing. And they found that some people that were born into wealth ended up with nothing. Some people that, and a couple, I think one of those individuals that they studied was, became a president of the United States. I don't know which, which president, uh, but uh, they found that, you know, some of them that were born in poverty ended up becoming wealthy. Some people, you know, got into substance abuse. I mean, all sorts of things happened. 
and uh, there's I think when I when I first heard this it was a TED talk and and the guy you know the the new director of the the study, um, you know he said what the only consistent things that they found uh, that make somebody uh, well, they haven't really found anything consistent with success. It's kind of come and gone with, with individuals. But they found a consistency in in happiness. And uh, happiness, as it, and it also relates to physical health. But happiness was based upon individuals' um, meaningful connections that they had in life and this deeper sense of, of meaning and, and, I would say, purpose in this context. And I find that really fascinating. And it's, it's core to, to some of our curriculum that we teach in the Institute, um, we we have this deeply C section where we have people look look inward at you know at themselves not not in this sort of self centered arrogant way but to really when when we say look at yourself it means to try to understand yourself <laughs> and and understand what what you care about um, and uh, understand your why your purpose and and, uh, and and we we talk about emotional transparency as well in our framework of of are we being honest with what holds us back and are we doing something about it? And so those are those are all difficult conversations to have with ourselves and I don't think many of us have answers to them. You know, if we asked 10 strangers today if they had a, a why and if they could define it in, in a few words, um, probably be very few that could. Uh, and so is, I'm, and I said all this, am I tracking, am I tracking you? Am I kind of on this right, right way of thinking with you of, of this deeper sense of, of uh, of purpose that somebody has in in uh, in what they do and why they choose what they do am, am i am i tracking oh i think so i think so i think what what really came through as you were speaking was you talk about purpose and i think at the core of people is they want to feel valued hmm. i think that is something that is really starting to become more prevalent i mean we've seen people leave the work you know leaving their jobs we're seeing it happen why are they leaving them? Well, there's a number of reasons. A lot of them is truly f- feeling valued. Yeah. By not only, you know, our, our colleagues, our family, it doesn't matter what area of our life we're in. We want to know and feel like what we are doing is making a difference. Yeah. You know, we can call it our why, we can call it our purpose, but we want to feel valued. Yeah. And I think that's often why we look for the outside validation. You know, people will look for, you know, likes on social media or things like that because they want to actually feel like they're being acknowledged and valued for what they're putting forth in this world. And that's just a outside indicator. I mean, the truth of the matter is we need to start valuing ourselves intrinsically. But at the same time, we also want to feel valued for what we do and what we contribute to the world. Yeah, that's a really... I love that point of feeling value, and a few questions come up, um, come to mind that I want to, I want to ask you, um, because you know we talked about last week the Great Resignation, and there's kind of already been a wave. You know, there's lots to say about that, and we can dive into it a little yeah. bit, but, but there's kind of been a wave that's left, right? But then you, this was what you mentioned, which I thought was really, really fascinating, was there's going to be another wave of individuals, perhaps that you know resign. But it's maybe not be physically right, and it might be more mid to senior level individuals who they have they have the nice maybe they have a nice you know benefit package they have a a nice job um, so it's not like they're just gonna leave tomorrow but maybe they ch- mentally check out and maybe that's how they they resign um, but when you talk about feeling value you mentioned it a little bit of this 
this value that only we can give to ourselves. Because when we say people don't feel valued, well, what about those those mid-level to senior managers that have actually plenty of evidence on paper that they're valued, right? They're paid well. Um, they have, you know, certain power given to them, decision-making capabilities, certain authorities given. So they, they clearly on paper are valued. But why is that? Talk a little bit about why that's not enough um, and why that the idea of people still want to feel valued, which is why they're maybe feeling lost or why they're resigning right mentally pulling back um what do you think about that well i think there's a number of reasons i think a lot of it from from this is the feedback that i'm getting and this is also the feedback that i i've experienced in the corporate world it's even though we have people in management and and say middle management and they are given more responsibility maybe more authority than others if you look at what's happening, we see people have left organizations and there are managers who are in those organizations who can't stop it, who can't actually don't have quite enough power. So you're in this bit of a middle position where you've got some power and you've got some ability to facilitate change, but not enough to actually really stop something like this from happening. So for instance, maybe somebody is leaving because of the pay. They've gotten an offer somewhere else with higher pay. Mm-hmm. We've got companies who have HR policies and they just won't budge on those policies. So you've got a manager who wants to retain somebody but can't. And so if this happens enough over long enough periods of time, which has been happening, how do you stay motivated, engaged, and feel valued at some point when you know you're letting people down? People can see that there are corporate cultures out there that are not healthy. Managers who are trying to make change, but their hands are a bit tied because they're either reporting to somebody above them or a board of directors or whomever. Because mm-hmm. you've got these really large organizations out there that have a huge structure to them. So they really are in the middle where they're trying to you know, sometimes sell policies or sell decisions to employees when they don't necessarily even agree with them themselves. Hmm. And so it's that fatigue. It's that fatigue of being that middle person who's always having to be a leader, but maybe also isn't getting enough mentoring themselves. I see. So what do you... And so... Keep going. Go ahead. Well, and so they, they do eventually just start to check out until they can figure out what to do next. Yeah. Is slowly remove themselves while they think of what plan B might look like. So what's the, where, where does, um, where does the, the problem reside? Is it, you know, uh, leadership, is it culture? Is it out? Are there outside, you know, um, variables that are uncontrolled, uncontrolled, you know, variables we can't control that are impacting this. I know we talked a little bit about COVID might've, you know, impacted some of this, but where do you think, the heart of it is, is stemming from, um, of why now, you know, we're seeing this great resignation, um, physically, mentally, whatever the case is, uh, where do you, where do you think, what do you think is the source of the cause? I think it's been building for many, many years. I've seen it been building for many, many years. You've got top down cultures, top down, um, and very often toxic workplaces. And it's just something that many people just accept this is just the way it is. 
Yeah. Right. This is just what we sign up for. And this is just something we have to accept. What happened in the last two years is everything stopped, really. I mean, it slowed down and quite stopped, but really, it, it really slowed down. People spent more time with their family. Hmm. They spent more time maybe on their health, on physical exercise, eating healthier, often because they were working from home, not spending two hours a day um, fighting traffic. Yeah. And so when you've had that time to look inward, and that's when you can start to really evaluate what is important to me? What's truly important? Well, maybe it's actually I do want to spend more time with my family. Hmm. Maybe spending, you know, 60 or 70 hours a week, including your commute time and so on, is not bringing me the life that I want. So what do I really, really want? So it's, it's actually really highlighted. And then you've got people who've actually lost their jobs, who, who put so much of themselves into their jobs, and all of a sudden it's gone. And this realization that I've been sacrificing for this, for what? For a paycheck. Hmm. And so it's really, when you have a situation, any kind of a, a crisis, which is what the world's been through, it's always an opportunity to look inward and make some changes. And many people have been doing that, looking inward and asking themselves some deeper, harder questions. What do I want? Is this working for me? Am I still in alignment with the life I want to create? And many are finding the answer is no. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's, I think that's spot on. Um, uh, it's a great analysis of, of you know, the past few years and what might be causing, um, you know, this this feeling of, of resignation and actual resignation. Um, it, as you were talking, it reminded me of, uh, a Carl Jung, something Carl Jung once said, uh, gosh, I'm going to slaughter it, but something along the lines of, you know, it is not, I, I, it's not that I, I'm, I don't make myself rather I happen to myself. Um, and you know, he talks about if we're willing to, to be alive to, to, to us happening to ourselves. And, uh, what I take away from that is, is our, are we alive to, to the reality of, of who we are and, and what we can become? Because I think a lot of times, like you mentioned, the, the day-to-day grind, the sitting in traffic, you know, showing up, clocking in, whatever it is, doing our thing, that that starts to take control of our, of our life. And, uh, and so we're no longer in touch with what is actually happening to us. We're just being controlled by the day. And, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent that the last, you know, three years, it's been a wake up call for, for many people of, of what's most important and what loss can feel like and what opportunity can feel like. And, 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 and to be frank, the fact that we, there's a lot that we can do to, to change. I mean, look at the workforce. I mean, majority of jobs now are remote. So it's just this huge wake up that wow, we can actually do quite a bit uh, not going to the office, you know. So I think we've discovered a, a, a lot of really important things as well. But, uh, and and I think that everything you're talking about, can it can feel, I could see a listener out there feeling like this, maybe this burden or this weight, but I think it's actually incredibly empowering to, 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 to face this conversation of, well, actually, who am I and what do I care about? In fact, I was working with, um, a group of senior leaders 
we were sharing some of our, our leadership framework and we, we got to this section. We, we were talking about accountability in our framework. We were talking about the importance of seeing people and building, you know, relationships, seeing people as people and, and, uh, the importance that that, that all has. And then we got to our deepest section, which I told you about where we're, we're meant to, it, it helps leaders identify their why, their purpose and, and, you know, encounter this, this emotional transparency. We even talk about using your suffering well. We use that term suffering well. Um, and, and he, this leader had, had enough of it. He was kind of like, look, I, you kind of lost me at this, you know, like this is no longer, it feels like it's no longer relevant to what we're trying to do in the workplace. Um, you know, I think they use the term, it's touchy feely, right? It's, <laughs> it's touchy feely. And I didn't in the moment, I wish I could go back and, and ask, well, what, what scares you about that? Right. That's what I wish I could go back and ask is what scares you about that? Cause clearly you don't want to get into it. So what's, what's scary about that? Is there something that's scary or, um, cause there's a lot of answers I could give you of to why it's relevant, um, to, to work for the, all the reasons that we're discussing right now. Um, but, uh, I, I, I definitely think that that's something we've now had to encounter, um, we, you know, we can't run from, from, from those conversations anymore with ourselves that you, 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 you've kept saying we need to look inward. And I, I think of the term reflection, we need to, we need to, we need to yes. reflect, mm-hmm. we need to reflect. So, Absolutely. That's, that's really interesting that you had that, that conversation just recently. Yeah. I, I think there are people who are uncomfortable with it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and I, I think to most degree, to most degrees, every there's probably a lot of us are uncomfortable with, with those conversations, um, which is why we need the, the time to, to reflect on it. So kind of going back to, to your process and journey you take people through, keep telling us about um, that journey that you, you walk folks through. Sure. So, you know, we do that, that inward journey. And like you said, you know, I think a big part of that inward journey is to not, um, be hard on ourselves. Hmm. I think that's what sometimes can happen is people think if they look inside, they're not going to like what they see. And that is part of the journey, but it's about just accepting we're all human beings. We're all here trying our best. There's nobody who's got it figured out. That's just a myth. There isn't anybody who's, who's there, who's got it. Um, And, and forgiveness for anything you feel you may have done wrong or, parts of yourself that you don't like. Mm. Really, I think that's a big key to all of this is to let ourselves off the hook a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, we and we look at impact and, and things like that. And as we go through that process, it's I, I find it so interesting how organically it involves and we then look at, well, what pivot needs to happen? What change needs to happen? And what it is, it's taking things you've done in the past, skills, experience, knowledge, education, something. It's taking pieces of your past and then really marrying it with, well, what do you actually want to do moving forward? You know, many people think it's about throwing away. You know, I'm going to quit my job as a CFO and do, I don't know, basket weaving. And it's not like that. It's about taking all those pieces that you've done and all that wealth of experience and knowledge and then finding out what is it that you need? What kind of impact do you want to have? And even things like, how do you work well? I mean, we talk about the hybrid or the work at home. Many people love it, you know, and that's a really important element. 
you know, we pick our careers often and then we look at our lifestyle and we build our lifestyle around it. Why aren't we picking our lifestyle and starting to build our careers around it? You know, we have it a little bit backwards. So these are all the elements that we start to look at taking all these pieces and then, okay, so what can that be? What can that look like? And it organically starts to flow through because once we start to do the inner work, we start to tap into what it is that really lights us up, what gives us joy. It organically just starts to unfold. Yeah. Which is beautiful. I love watching that process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a couple questions and they're, they're different. So we'll take them one at a time. But based on the first thing that you mentioned, um, and you'll have to help me remember the words you use, but but when you, you mentioned looking in the mirror and... and <laughs> What did you say? Not being, not being uh, disappointed in what we see. What was the term you used? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. You just mentioned kind of val- was it valuing ourselves or, or something. Oh, valuing ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Valuing ourselves. Yeah. Um, because I often I do I do think that many of us might look in the mirror and there's going to be elements that, you know, we don't like, uh, and and so learning to value ourselves. Um, it reminded me. You know, I was in this conversation with uh, with uh, this this a board member in our community um, of a of a local nonprofit and a former NFL player is actually a, you know three time Super Bowl champion and and I just was remembered I got to get him on the show and and talk with him about this in more depth. But we were in this board meeting that I was facilitating and he shared this example of of uh, what they called low lights and. Um, and uh, you know they watch a lot of film, and uh, they the 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 purpose of the film was not to watch highlights from their games; it was to watch the lowlights. And he said everybody got a turn, and, meant, and sometimes it was multiple turns where your low light was up in front of the whole team, and the coach, um, you know, who's his coach was one of the greatest coaches of all is one of the greatest coaches of all time would sit there and just point out all your flaws, and they called them lowlights. And he said. You know, it was never easy. Uh, playing many years in the NFL, it was never easy to to uh, to hear. You know, to have to have your low light up on the screen. But it taught him to be able to, like what you said, look in the mirror and actually be okay with the flaws and the imperfections, and take it easy on on yourself. And and when when you were sharing that, I thought, you know, it's actually the low lights that are end up being more valuable to us. When we're in a challenge where we feel, whether it's ex, you know external force or internal force, that puts us in a in a challenging situation, a rut, we feel low, whatever the case is. Though it, for me, time kind of slows down a little bit, and it feels like it just lasts too long, and the suffering lasts forever, <laughs> and you resent it, you hate it, right? But it's in those moments that I actually feel is when we have this incredible opportunity to use it as a catalyst for meaning. Um, and when we look back on our life, what we're going to remember are the lowlights because of what we learned from them, not in a resentful, bitter way, but in a in a way that refined us, that that connected us to 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 others, um, that helped us find a deeper sense of of meaning. So when you when you talked about valuing ourselves, I, I think that it's not an ignoring of those those flaws. It's actually leaning into and accepting it. Um, and and doing something about it because I think it's those things that can help us, you know, put us on the path, propel us on the path of what you you mentioned in the latter part of of kind of unfolding this beautiful unfolding of what we what we can become. 
Um, so that, I guess that, that wasn't as much of a question as it was a thought that I wanted to contribute. Mm-hmm. But the question I did have on the second, well, first I want to let you respond to that. And then I had a second question based on uh, the latter part of what you said. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you have a response to anything I just mentioned there. I, I just think that was very beautifully said and I couldn't agree with you more. It absolutely is the low, the low lights and low points in our life that really we get the opportunity to decide who we want to be. And that's how, that's how I simplify it as much as I can. It's just, who do we want to be? Yeah. And that's ultimate. You know, we, yeah. you say that's ultimately the, the folks that you work with, they're coming in some, to you in some form of a low light, right? Where, yes. where they get this opportunity to now, you know, actualize in, in, in a new way. So sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's perfect. You, you said that very, very well. It is about that. They, they do come at that point. And it's then deciding when they start to work with me, they've made that decision that I am going to use this moment in time to now transform myself and create something different for myself rather than choosing to stay here. Because we always have a choice Mm -hmm. at any moment. I mean, I look back on my life and 100% can say that my low moments were the biggest transformations. And Mm -hmm. you can't always see it when you're in it, but I look back and I'm extremely grateful for them. Because they, they've made me who I am today. Yeah. And I wouldn't have changed. I would not have changed the level I have changed had life been easy and good and, yeah. <laughs> and wonderful. It's when, it's when life just knocks you, knocks you down mm-hmm. that you, you really do start to dig deeper and find out what it is you want and, and who you are. And they can really be the significant catalyst for change. Yeah. And there's this weird, you know, there's this strange um, line where, cause, because I agree with you 100%. I feel like that the the hardest moments of our life can be the most transformative. But, uh, you know, it was um, Viktor Frankl, uh, you know, Holocaust survivor who, who discovered logotherapy of this idea that that our suffering, when we find meaning in our suffering, it can be in- incredibly transformative. He was the one that said, it doesn't mean we should go around looking for suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when it happens, um, it, it can be, you know, an incredible opportunity for change. And this is coming from a man who survived, you know, um, uh, concentration camps um, and experienced uh, an, in- an incredible amount of suffering. Uh, so I, because I, while I 100 agree, I, I 100% agree with what you said, I, it's it's this weird line because we want to have those moments for growth, but we also do not wish suffering upon ourselves. So, <laughs> so there's this sort of line there that we you know that we flirt with of we have to develop a mentality to uh, you know Jordan Peterson calls it. I don't know if you ever listened to Jordan Peterson, a psychologist, yes. but uh, we have to kind of unleash the monster in us. He says, you know, we have to become a monster a little bit. We have to. We have to see ourselves as somebody that's able to get through um, these challenges that we face. And that's, you know, uh, I've, I've just developed this deeper appreciation of psychology now that I'm in my, my PhD in psychology. But uh, uh, clinical psychology, that's clinical psychology 101, is, is they help their clients actually face their challenges, not, not run from them, not, not try to get a rid, rid of them, but face whatever it is that they're encountering to overcome it. And so, you know, Peterson talks about becoming a, a monster um, because puppy dogs don't make it through a storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, and, and so while that sounds kind of, you know, that sounds a little bit paradoxical that we want to become monsters, that's, you know, it's not to be these scary, you know, uh, you know, evil monsters, but we should be as tough as a, as a monster when we face these, these challenges, these, these hard moments, like, uh, like you mentioned, these low lights. Um, I think it's an incredibly powerful concept, uh, and, and almost you know, we need, we need to go through that. There's this, um, Andy Grammer. I don't know if you've, Andy Grammer, have you ever heard of Andy Grammer? I think I want to no, say, I, I want to say he's Canadian actually, Andy Grammer. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe he's not. He's a musician, really good, Andy Grammer, but he has this song that's called, I Wish You Pain. And it's this, uh, he's basically singing to his daughter. Um, and, and so it's a song about, I wish you pain, uh, for these reasons that we're talking about, because it's through the pain that we actually, we grow, you know, that he's singing and saying, I don't want you to grow up with a life that's perfect and flawless and painless because you won't, you won't become who you need to be. So these elements, there's a lot of truth to them. People sing about them. People write about them. There's all sorts <laughs> of analogies. It, but if it was easy to, to, to grasp and understand, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be having the conversation. It's a hard, hard thing to do this. Um, so, that actually kind of leads into my, my actual question I had for you um, about, you, you know, you mentioned just unlocking this beautiful journey of discovery, of, of looking inward, finding what you really care about, you know, and connecting your life to, to that. I, I had the question in that moment, which I think is a valid question that a lot of people might be asking is, is can we take that too far, right? Can we take that too far to the point where we become almost self-absorbed? And we make our life all about us. And then that actually starts to cut our connection off from other people. We lose our ability to connect because we get so focused on what we want. Um, and and uh, we maybe take it too far. Because I, I, you know, and one last thought to this, and then I'd love to hear your response on this, is the way that I see it, and we talk about it in our, in our framework, in our institute, is that life kind of comes down to one single relationship. And it's the relationship it's a threefold relationship. It's, it's, it's me, others, and the space between me and others. Um, and Martin Buber talks about this through the I, I, it and I, thou, you know, relationship, if you've ever read any of Buber. And, and so there's this, there's this fundamental relationship of I, it, I, thou, it's me, the other, and the space between us, and that they all need each other to thrive. And so when we're talking about kind of turning inward, it's really focused on turning to that I, right? Which I think is really important. We need to discover the I and be open to the I uh, and, and find out what's really meaningful to us, what makes us, you know, tick, what really drives us and, and be transparent uh, with that. Um, but is there, a, is there a moment when we, maybe we can take that too far? And if so, what does that moment look like? How should we be aware of it? Things of that nature. Does that question make sense? It, it completely makes sense. And to answer your question, there, I do believe we can take it too far. Um, absolutely. And I've, I've known people who have. They spend, they spend um, more of their, their sort of life doing that inward journey and not actually going out. It's like anything else in life. We do anything at excess. It's not healthy. We can exercise in excess and it can then become unhealthy. Hmm. The inward journey ultimately is one of healing, though. That, that is what it is. You're actually healing yourself when you do that. Once you've done some healing on yourself, though, you are then able to 
show up and provide space for others to also heal. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what this is ultimately about. So it is at that point where, I mean, I could just keep doing what I'm doing and keep turning inward, but now I've healed enough of myself. I've done a lot of work on myself where I can actually now show up out into the world. So there, there is a balancing point yeah. of when you start to show up. There are times, I do believe, and I, I, I believe this is healthy, where we do need to spend a, more time on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not something that is talked about really at its core level. I mean, some of the most profound experiences I've had has been, you know, been going on retreats when I can take a few days and actually just focus on me 100%, then I can go back out into the world Mm. and show up differently. But the world we've been living in doesn't even allow for those little bits, right? Because it's a go, 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 go pace, right? And we've built all these distractions, right? There's distractions everywhere, and a lot of the distractions are actually to cover up pain because we're not doing the inner work. Yeah. You, if you look at a lot of the habits, you know, you, drinking, Netflix, shopping, those are all okay in, in bits. Yeah. But when they become large parts of our life, we end up doing them because we're hurting. We're yeah. hurting in some way because we don't want to face ourselves. Yeah, this is a... So there, is, there is a balance there. Yeah, definitely sure. a, a balance, a moderation in all in all these things um, that I think is really important. And and what what you were mentioning made me think of, and and the way at least I'm interpreting conscious leadership because, you know, you had said you said there that we we need to spend more time on ourselves. And in the world that I operate in, a lot of times, you know, when I'm facilitating, you know, doing different engagements the topic of self-care pops up and there's all sorts of thoughts on self-care. And, and usually when we think of self-care, we think of, you know, I should, uh, you know, exercise and, and, you know, do all those things. And those are, those are part of it. But I always have this, um, uh, a bit of a, you know, something I try to pull out of, of, of the conversation with individuals, which I think is what you're getting to with self-care, because what I don't think self-care is, is, just perpetuating the problem. Meaning if the reason why I'm feeling in need of self-care, let's say I'm feeling burnt out, I'm feeling exhausted, I'm feeling lost, whatever the case is. And so it's necessitating me to, to say, I need to take care, you know, I need self-care. Um, if the reason for me getting to that point is because I've been selfish, right? So I've been only thinking of myself. I've been only doing what I want to do. I've been kind of living um, at the whim of uh, the, 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 the flesh, if you will, you know, just indulging mm-hmm. myself in whatever I, <laughs> I want to do or, or I'm just, you know, working my tail off because I want people to notice me, right? I want to be seen as, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help everybody because I want everybody to see me as the nice guy that's helpful, you know. Um, I'm perfectionist like we were talking about, you know, pre-recording. Um, if that's the reason why I'm needing self-care, then I I need to really understand what self-care means because I've already been thinking of myself. <laughs> that's actually all I <laughs> that's all I've been thinking of. So the the solution to a problem isn't more of the problem. Uh, and so that's that's what I always try to pull out of the conversations regarding self-care is is uh, if 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 the reason why we feel we're in need of it 
is because we've been selfish and we've only been thinking of ourselves, then the last thing that's going to help you is more thinking of yourself, (laughs) which is why I thought of conscious leadership because, well, not just conscious leadership, but the idea of kind of becoming conscious to these things because now we have a very clear reason of why we're focused on the self Um, because we're trying to understand meaning, right? We're trying to overcome um, these, these challenges. And so we're conscious to it in a new way. It's not just, I'm going to go, you know, practice self-care because it's me time. You know, it's no, there's a, there's a purpose for it. And that purpose is going to help me live to my potential. It's going to help me um, uh, connect more with others. So there's this interesting balance that I think we need to be aware of and even cautioned about when we talk about focusing on self and care and giving us our, you know, the me time, if you, if you will, uh, that I think we just need to be aware of because again, the solution to a problem isn't more of the problem. Um, but I, but I know what you're talking about is something different. And that's where I, I, this, this word of this idea of conscious being conscious to, to ourselves, uh, uh, if that makes sense, uh, is, is important. So, so with that, please respond, but then segue into a little bit more of, of this idea of conscious leadership. And maybe that's how we can wrap this, this uh, episode up. Absolutely. So when I, when I hear you talking about um, that kind of turning to self and doing things like you said about, you know, wanting people to look up to you or to people please or whatever it is, that's an egoic that's an egoic self. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I'm talking about is not an egoic self. It is a true self, yeah. which, is a, which is more of your soul self. And so it's looking at the pieces of yourself that have, you know, this, this is a, obviously a, a large topic, but, you know, pieces of yourself that haven't hurt or been traumatized. And it's looking at those pieces to heal it so you can come back more whole and in fact, when you do the inner work, you actually integrate your ego more. And so you're not actually coming from an egoic place. And that's, you know, probably is the right segue into the conscious leadership. That, that's what it is more about. It's not leading from an egoic place. It's not looking outward for all the solutions and strategies and everything we're supposed to do. It's looking at situations and it's looking at people and what's going on from a more holistic viewpoint meaning what what is really going on here and not the optics of what's going on here what's really going on here and not making assumptions it's asking questions and digging deeper it's showing up authentically and i think one of the things we've seen over the last number of years is the prevalence of you know quote unquote fake news Mm -hmm. People are tired of listening to people just talk, yeah. but not really say anything. So conscious leadership is is really, and it's 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 a big topic. I'm not I'm not going to lie and say I can cover this in you know two minutes, but it's when you've you've had a look at things beyond yourself and yourself, and to see them for what they really are. And not, like I said, come up with a Band-Aid because that's what we've been doing. We've been coming up with Band-Aid solutions to much more complex and deeper issues. Yeah. I was uh, I was sitting next to a 
this was several years ago, so long before I was studying psychology, but I was sitting next to a psychologist. I can't remember where. It honestly could have been a conference that I was at, or it could have been church. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he shared with me um, this idea. He said, you know, there's so much that we can't control. And he's talking, again, kind of mentally. You know, there's just so much that we can't control um, in our life, not just mentally, but everything around us. But he said, if we knew how much we could control, then we just would, like, we would be blown away if we knew how much we could actually Mm -hmm. control. Um, And so when you're talking about conscious leadership, it's it's not like we are tapping into, as psychologists would say, the unconscious, right? It's actually just being fully alive to the reality, the conscious reality of ourselves and, and our life and those around us. Um, because I think when it's, it's when we do that, that we tap into this, this, um, this authenticity that, that we, we, we discuss and that's, you know, that you're talking about. Um, so it's not that we have to you know, start to interpret our dreams, <laughs> you know, in, <laughs> no, the unco- in, <laughs> in the unconscious mind. It's really just being being conscious to, to what's there in front of us um, and finding meaning in those things. Uh, I, I, that's, you know, um, that's what I, I, that's what I'm really taking away from this conversation. And, and honestly, something I needed to, to hear, you know, from something as beautiful as, as, you know, me coming home and my little, uh, I got a seven, seven-year-old, five-year-old, and uh, a two-year-old. You know, something as beautiful as a little two-year-old just running to me, yelling, Daddy, right? To, to, to be conscious to that moment and, and, and find the meaning and the beauty in it to the, the deep, deep challenges that I'm going through that are kind of ugly and finding the meaning in that. That there's a level of consciousness that I can tap into to all of those things um, to find meaning and to find purpose. And, and it only helps when I'm able to define it because then it allows me to make sense of it and connect it. Um, that the, the, the little, little two-year-old yelling daddy and running to me and the, the darkest hour, right, where, where uh, I feel um, maybe alone a little bit, that my purpose and my, my meaning and, and what we talked about you know, last week of, of finding purpose and being conscious to it, that they, they can be connected, that they're not two separate, separate things that they can connect, you know, um, me, uh, if you will, that's what I'm thinking about when you're talking about conscious leadership and, and really interesting and, and something that, that I needed to hear today for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And I, and I agree with you. It is about f- fully present in each moment for what it is and not not going on autopilot. That's what's happened a lot in this world. We can see it. People are on autopilot. Yeah. And it's being fully present and being open to something that may be happening or going on that is beyond what we thought it was before and being present to listen, to hear people, and, and to, like you said, what is the deeper meaning here? What is the lesson here? What can we learn? How can we move forward? You know, considering bigger aspects than what we were considering before. That's how we make the change. Yeah. It's going on autopilot. It's not, it's not serving us. Hmm. It's not same old, same old anymore. Yeah. And that's what people are, 
are really looking for, you know, in their lives and certainly in their workplaces with their leaders, leaders who are showing up and saying, okay, you know, I may not have the answer, but I'm here. I'm willing to talk about it. That, that's that. That's where it's at. Not giving solutions that nobody, you know, everyone knows aren't going to work. That's not, doesn't work anymore. People don't want to hear that. I want to hear somebody that's showing up and saying, yeah, you know what? Going through some tough times. What can we do? Yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting out of autopilot is, uh, it's the same. I mean, that need is, is across the board, whether we're in the corner office or the, the frontline new employee, um, we there's an autopilot to both of those roles, yep. and and there's a non autopilot <laughs> way to to fulfill those those roles, and it matters. And as you were talking, you know, I thought of um, this idea of 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 you know being conscious, conscious meaning, you know, having conscious meaning. It's it's it doesn't have bias or prejudice. It doesn't matter. It doesn't having unco- have you know if conscious meaning was a was a, a person, it wouldn't care who you are, where you're from, your background. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if we, you know, are, um, living in our car and trying to make ends meet, or if we have a hundred cars, um, having conscious meaning in our life day to day, uh, is the same for everyone. Um, we all, I think we all need to have some element of tapping into that to get out of, of the autopilot, um, and what it can do for us and, and others around us, I think is where the magic starts to happen. Um, when we can do that. So I, I love, Absolutely. I've loved this whole conversation. We have, you know, about a minute or two left. Um, I could keep talking about this for another hour. <laughs> I think I could do. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we'll have to do a, a, a round two, um, eventually, but, but I want to ask you, you know, one last question of, of uh you know which we've already addressed but maybe you can narrow it down make it really concise is is what do we do about all this you know whoever's listening who if they're an executive a, a mom a dad a child a, an, an entry-level employee whoever they are what do we what do we do about all this how do we take this information and start to act on it tomorrow what do we do well certainly being aware is the first is the first step We've all been conditioned and programmed over the years, and this is what we're working against right now, is is changing that. The areas of our life where we just accept what has been given to us without questioning it. So it is it is stepping into each present moment. Often we're living in the past or we're projecting right into the future. And so it is looking at each moment and deciding, is this, does this make sense to me anymore? Am I in alignment anymore? Where where am I? Am I even here? My body might be here, but where am I really? Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that so often does happen. One of the things actually I was just suggesting to someone today was change up your patterns. You know, we a lot of our autopilot starts with our patterns. It could be simply start changing the way you go to work. Because let's face it, you hop in your car. If, if you're driving to work, you hop in your car, you go on autopilot. That's where your day starts on autopilot. You get up in the morning, you're on autopilot. You go put the coffee on. Start by changing up just even little things just to start out 
And you start to become more aware of what you're doing and what's going on around you because you can't go on autopilot anymore because you're doing a completely different routine. You're driving somewhere different where you don't know. You're being pulled into that present moment. Hmm. And so that's a really great tip to, to really start utilizing immediately if you want to start making change in your life and become more more present. And for those of us, you know, that maybe have a, a routine when we start off in the day that is, is, has been successful for us, you know, it's, it's, it's always looking for improvements and looking for maybe identifying the day, the moments of the day when we get into, to, to when we turn on autopilot and, and trying to change those and redirect those moments. So I love that. And, you know, I would ask anybody listening to this, there's, there's been quite a bit to, to consider today, so it's hard to nail down one specific question for all of you but uh, listeners, but uh, I would encourage you to, to really think about, it feels like we've had a few episodes on this, but think about your, your purpose and your meaning and, and what's important to you and how that impacts um, you know, your life and, and to become a little bit more alive to it uh, and conscious to it than you were uh, yesterday. Um, I think that's the uh, a great challenge of life is is uh, to become conscious to to meaning that's around us to become open to it. So, uh, man, this has been awesome, Andrea. I, I appreciate you you joining and 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 engaging in this dialogue. Um, it's been a, a fun episode and and an amazing conversation and something like I said I I needed so appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it as well, Chris. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back sometime. Um, And uh, anyone tuning in, thanks again for listening. Uh, And until next time, uh, take care and be safe.